everybody. This is Lori, and I am the founder and CEO of Inclusivity, and this is our podcast, Inclusiva Talks. And today we are really fortunate to have actually three guests, um, Pippi and Daniel, who are amazing musicians and human beings, and we're excited to hear more about them. And our friend Mary Harris is here to help us with the interview. So thank you all for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. We're honored to be here. Yeah, we are loving it. Well, we love having you. So thank you. Um, so usually I just start out saying, and since there are two of you, I think you're going to have to take turns answering this. But sort of tell us how you got your musicians, and you have been. It sounds like for a long time. So how did that get started? How did you first kind of come to realize you were musical and that that was going to be the path your life took? Well, for me. It was all predicated on getting out of washing the dishes <laughs> <laughs> at my household. Because if I sang mm -hmm. and wrote a song, then I didn't have to wash dishes. Wow. So that was pretty good. And I'm the oldest of 12, but during that time, it was just about three. And, um, and then for me also, seeing... Lena Horne and Diana Ross was such, and um, Leslie Uggams. Oh my gosh. I saw women like my, like me. And um, I, I knew I wanted to sing. I knew I wanted to sing. So I, was it your suggestion that um, you get out of doing the dishes if you sang and wrote a song or was that your parents' suggestion? Um, it was really my parents' mm -hmm. suggestion after a couple of times when I went back in the kitchen to wash the dishes, I came up with the song and I would sing it for them without, you know, with no shame or anything, just totally perform that song mm -hmm. and they would like, okay, you know, that made, they made it a deal. So if you do that, we, you know, we'll do the dishes. So that was pretty cool. And I was coming up with songs all the time, girl. I mean, I was, I was I was not washing those dishes if I could help it. Were they songs about pots and pans? And no, I was. It was really like really cool songs. Like um, I made up a song that my brother would scream out. I don't know why, but all the time he would go in the bathroom and there was no toilet tissue, and he would say, "Pippi, bring me the toilet paper." Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> And I'd expand on that. That's a great song. I, was... I just don't write songs like that anymore. <laughs> no, really, they don't. Maybe if you recorded that. <laughs> Probably you could have a hit record. <laughs> You've been writing ever since, too, haven't you? You've been writing ever since. I've been writing ever since, you know. Yeah. So how old were you at that, when you first remember writing a song about toilet paper? Um, I remember, I remember doing it uh, about, I think about eight years old, about eight. Um, but I started singing professionally at 13 years old. And um, that was because, you know, um, in the neighborhood, you'd always have groups and we'd always be hanging outside. So in the, in the, in the morning, we'd be in the yard and we'd be working out with the groups you know, our groups, because we have a talent show out front. 
front of the house. And so everybody would, you know, be doing their thing, you know, and, and everybody would get roasted and people would talk during that time. We can call it roasted. It was doing the dozens and, uh, and people would talk about people. It was just so much fun, but everybody would go out front, go in the backyard, play, and they would have their morning clothes on and stuff. And then you go in, have dinner and get dressed to go out front of the house and then you'd be putting on the show. And so um, I had a group of uh, three guys, um, something like uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips at the time. And we were able to, uh, my mom was a real big supporter and she um, got us booked in. the pops. <laughs> right. The male was, version would be the, the pops. pops, the pips. Um, and, um, and we, we um, performed, you know, for a lot of great people. Um, we opened up at the Capitol Theater for um, the Jackson Five. And uh, yeah. Wow. Nobody knew us, but we, we did that. And then we were um, at the Club de Lisa, um, which is, which turned into the High Chaparral. We opened up for Johnny Taylor and uh, so Pete Alvin Cash. So wow. we, it was fun. It was fun stuff. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, people still said I couldn't sing. So, but it was <laughs> best fun. So yeah, that's how I got started. It was really inspirational. Mm-hmm inspirational um, to not have to wash dishes, inspirational to see black, beautiful women on television singing and that look like me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was your whole family musical? It sounds like that was a big part of your life. Church. Mm -hmm. You know, we came up Pentecostal church, grandfather's the pastor and founder of Full Gospel Pentecostal Church. All of us were church folks, you know, 10 in the family. Uh, my And we all lived in, uh, we didn't live in houses. We lived in a six flat building that was owned by our family and our family owned several six flats. And um, we um, were pillar of the community, our family. And um, everyone was involved in the church. I mean, Grandmother was the mother of the church. My grandfather was a um, was a pastor. Um, my uncles were um, deacons, and um, aunts were saints, and um, and my cousins were the ones that were um, you know running the choir and singing in the choir, and everybody could sing so good, except for me. And. Um, but grandfather gave me an opportunity to sing I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Watch out now. And I I did that. I did that. I did that when I was you wanna give us a little bit uh, of it? Uh, please, please. ten years old. I, I, well, this is the, the great part about this story is that I'm singing this song. I'm a soldier in the army of, because the background is the choir scene, in the army of the Lord. And I say, and I believe in the fight in the army. So anyway, I'm singing this song, but my grandfather and my uncles are behind me are singing. Sing louder, girl. Sing louder. Because I wasn't singing loud enough. I sing so loud and I really get down. 
And that was the first time I got a compliment. The compliment was, well, you're not an Aretha Franklin. But you could sing. You got some lungs on you, girl. And so that was good. <laughs> so, so that was my first um, experience of projecting, projecting my voice. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Wow. Now, how about you, Daniel? What's your what's your musical story? Your musical beginning? Um, pretty much the same. <laughs> Seriously, I uh, started playing in nightclubs when I was thirteen. Mm -hmm. My sister, I was the youngest of ten. Pippi's the oldest of twelve. Mm -hmm. um, I was the youngest of ten. All my siblings uh, were musical uh, with voice, and uh, when I grew up, I they all sang whenever there was a a household uh, event, yeah. holiday, and everybody gathered together, they all sang because, I mean, this was in the 50s, right? Right. I was born in 53, and uh, that makes me about 39. <laughs> <laughs> right around there. Uh-huh. Just around there. So, uh, but uh, I grew up with all of these harmonies, and, uh, and uh, there wasn't really much that I could do that my other nine siblings hadn't done, you know, to make me special. And one day uh, I was brought up, uh, I went through the Pentecostal church as well after the, my Catholicism, which uh, uh, Irish Catholic. So we grew up with that and the church services were in these pomp and circumstance, big pipe organ, uh, Latin, uh, everything was said in Latin and uh, nobody knew what the hell any was going on, but we, we uh, memorized it. Humming, and, humming, I, humming. Yeah. Yeah. and I came home uh, and we had a grand piano in the foyer. Of, we had this, uh, we grew, I grew up on the south side of town, south of the South Tracks. And uh, uh, we uh, uh, lived in a, we thought was a mansion, but it was like a, a farmhouse. Mm -hmm. Kind of, it wasn't a farm, but it was kind of a dormered house. And, and you'd walk in, there was a big foyer and there was a tall, grand piano, not a grand piano, a uh, player piano, that the mechanisms of the player piano probably was given to my father and he could make anything out of nothing. So he took the stuff that didn't work out of her. So we had, and he was used, used to tune it with a crescent wrench, you know, that's how he knew, uh, until somebody gave him a tuning for a wrench. So I came home from the church at four years old and played the melody. And my mother and father fussed over me. And I believe that that was the origin <laughs> of me getting, oh, really? You like that? Well, watch this, you know? And started playing Jerry Lee Lewis at five. No, I didn't. And uh, so that, and then my sister was a singer, a nightclub singer, and she asked me to play at 13. So it was a drummer, uh, my sister, a guitar player, and uh, me on Hammond organ. And uh, so I, uh, I started playing professionally at 13, 16 years old. I was playing six nights a week. Got kicked out of school because I was late all the time <laughs> my sophomore year in high school. And then I went back and finished. And uh, yet uh, that's how I started. And then I uh, ran into a, uh, there was a guy who had been out on the road with this horn band and back in the 70s, early six, late 60s, early 70s were all these phenomenal blood, sweat and tears, mm -hmm. 
um, yeah. actually, and uh, Tower of Power. And so mm. he had played with this group that had just come back from Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. And I was this wannabe musician, wanted to go out on the road. I thought if I'd go out on the road, then I'd make it, right? Mm. That would be, I would be it. I'd be, you know, famous. And he had, actually, he, uh, his father was a motel owner, and he had a motel here in Galesburg, and he connected me with this group. And I, my first job was in Beaumont, at the Beaumont Motor Inn in Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> wow. Packed up my Hammond uh, C3 with two Leslies, and went up there, and uh, as they say, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. So what both of you were playing in nightclubs when you were early teens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it so was, interesting. What was that like? Uh, it was wild. <laughs> it was so much fun. My mother was there. So my mother would swoop me in and swoop me out because I, and obviously because I was a, a girl. <laughs> so, you know, and, matter. and, and but it was so much excitement and um, exhilaration to be backstage and to w watch all the goings on and all the energy that was happening and people looking at you like, what are you doing here? I would never forget Johnny Taylor looking at me. He was a, a big recording star. And, uh, and he was um, playing at the um, Club de Lisa. The club, the the high chaparral. Then I believe that's what it was called at the time, and um, and he looked at me like when I came, um, when I was going up on the stage, I passed him, and he looked at me like, "What? Who are you?" Opening up for me, and um, and the look, I could hear him saying this to me, even though he didn't say it to me. He just looked at me like that, and. Um, and then after I finished singing with my with my friends and stuff, and we were just like laughing and everything, and he was getting ready to come up the stairs, he looked at me and he winked like I did all right. He was like, I was okay, I was good, you know. So then I was like, Oh, that's so exciting, you know. I got that feeling because I got the other feeling going up, like, ooh, I'm not good. I'm not that good. I'm not Johnny Taylor good, you know. So and then, but it was wonderful. But being able to be and connect with people that I, I never was a person that really understood where I was at the time. I never studied people. Mm -hmm. I never really knew the musicians or knew about how famous a club was or anything. I didn't know anything. Everything was happening and I was just, in it mm -hmm. you know, so I was like totally present in it and had no idea um and so if somebody would say that's so-and-so over there I would be I wouldn't know who they were so um and I wouldn't go any further with trying to figure it out I was just so <laughs> I was so in the moment of oh my god this is so exciting you know so um so when I think about it, I have more understanding and more depth of what was going on during that time as I look back. Mm -hmm. 
because now I'm like, oh my God, I was surrounded by all these amazing people and I didn't even know it. When I was in the studio with Pop Staples and the Staples Singers and I was just hanging out with them and I was just sitting there because Pops and um, and um, not Mavis, the, uh, one of the other sisters loved me and I was and invited me down to the studio and I went down to the studio and I was just like chilling out, never even had a second thought about, oh, I'm just hanging out there. I didn't even, it was just like, they were just cool musicians and I was just there. Yeah. You know, so that was my experience, you know. I had the MO of, uh, uh, with my musician friends, uh, that uh, I was constantly, uh, they would use the, uh, a different word, but a teen people off because I didn't know who they were. And I'm talking about famous people. Yeah, I would go up to them and say, "So, uh, yeah, just hanging. You like jazz? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I like the way you look. Uh, nice hat. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, are you a musician then? Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, one of them was Curtis Fuller. Uh, oh yeah, what do you play? Curtis Fuller's uh, famous trombonist to play with Miles Davis. I mean. <laughs> And he, he gave me so much crap that weekend because it was a jazz festival. Mm -hmm. He gave me so much crap about not knowing who he was, right? And I said, yeah, uh, you're right. I am sorry. And uh, I couldn't apologize any more to him uh, than I did. And it still didn't matter. <laughs> he had an attitude. Yeah. So you both just loved the music and loved performing. Yeah. yeah. That's where you were. Yeah. That's it. So have both of you just continued this path? Right. Either of you kind of veer off and do something else for a while, or has music really been? Oh, yeah. We both uh, did other things. Yeah. Uh, I have three daughters. and okay. I have uh, two. And, uh, I mean, biological. And uh, yeah, biological. that would mean we have, both have five. Five together, yeah. And uh, I was married twice, and uh, so I was, raised, I was a single parent. Three times divorce, for me. And three times for Miss Pippi. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I needed to uh, do something other than music. You know, I couldn't go out on the road raising children, so I had to do something other than music in a certain town so that they could go to school and have friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing, uh, when I first got out of high school, when I finished, a buddy of mine who was a, a garage band drummer a very good drummer back then, and uh, we were doing stuff like Chicago, yeah. Chicago Transit Authority back then. And uh, he says, Dan, he says, uh, I know you want to make music your career, your profession. And here I am, I'm 17, 18 years old. He says, and rightfully so, but you should have something other than music to fall back on. I said, what? He says, yeah, so that, you know, if you go to New York or L.A. or wherever you would be able to have a, a profession that you could pay your rent while you're making, making connections in the community that you are. I said, you know, that makes sense. He, I said, well, what are you thinking about? He says, well, I'm going to barber school. And uh, I says, I'm not going to be a barber. Are you nuts? He said, well, think about it, Dan. You would have reciprocity. If you got your license, you'd have reciprocity throughout the States. I didn't even know what reciprocity meant. <laughs> let alone be able to spell it. Right, you know? right. <laughs> and uh, 
I said, really? And so I went uh, back to my mother. My father was killed when I was nine. And uh, so she raised, you know, these all these kids, although there was 29 years difference between my oldest brother and me. So they were old enough to be my parents. They have children older than me. So uh, anyway, uh, I, went to, I asked her, I said, well, what do you think? She said, well, you're not doing anything now. <laughs> this was before I went out on the road. And so I went to school for six months, learned how to cut hair dangerously, but learned how to cut hair at this barber school. I mean, talk about old time barber school. Yeah. And uh, I got the offer to go out on the road and I left. So then from then on, I was uh, having girlfriends. I was cutting their hair and family members and things like this, but I never finished it. And then I ended up going up to Minneapolis the first time uh, uh, because I was really into religion at the time. Mm -hmm. I, I went from, you were talking about how was it growing up in a, in nightclubs at 13. Yeah. With your peers, and this is back in the 60s, when everybody was the you know the Rat Pack and everybody was real cool and, and uh, was dressed right when uh, Brazilian music and uh, Latin American music was coming into the United States and they were actually taking our music, our our, our music, the Beatles and the and uh, Her, uh, Burt Backrack and and they were making it putting a, a, a Latin music, Portuguese uh, rhythms behind it. It was great, but. Those were my peers. So I had the peers of all the alcoholics <laughs> that were happening. I had the school peers that were uh, brainiacs and sports people. And that was also when the drug culture was coming in. And because I was playing music, there were people coming, hey, you know, try this, you know, I'll try this. And so there were all these this uh, convoluted realities of life and i was partaking of all of them and and uh because i was the youngest of 10 i knew how to juggle personalities and fit in so i did it all and consequently because of that i ended up in a in a uh drug not rehab but i ended up in a life of drugs and mm -hmm. craziness and so i was way over here with the pendulum and i swung way over here and i thought well in order to be anti that I need to go over here and clean myself up so squeaky. So I got into religion. I thought that would be you yeah, know, the opposite. Sure. And uh, so I was just as dogmatic about that as I was dogmatic about that. <laughs> right now. Uh, I'm open to everything and attached to nothing. So, yeah. but it's all part of the process. Mm -hmm. Before to see this beautiful, well-adjusted individual before you right now, Back in the day, not so much. <laughs> I missed that part. I'm glad I, you missed it. Oh. You wouldn't. <laughs> so how about you, Pippi? How was your was your path pretty much music? Um, yeah, my path was um, pretty much music. Um, my first husband and I, he was a piano player, which he was responsible on two children, and uh, we made beautiful music. We wrote a lot of music, and we played and performed, moved out to California, wrote um, um, with a and Records, you know, we, we did a lot of stuff and um, came back here, but he was on drugs. So I was married to him during that time that I didn't know him. Mm -hmm. 
and he and and Robert is the reason why I swore off any musicians, especially piano I, players. Uh, especially <laughs> piano players. No, but any musicians because of um, twenty years of up and down and rehab and all that stuff, and not being and the, and to the point where we had a recording contract with um, with uh, huh Danny. No, it was not, no, not any, this one contract we have, Houston Connections, and we had this contract with them, and everything was going great, but he was so strung out then, I had to, I had to um, get out of that contract. When um, I had my father-in-law to help me, and I was, my father-in-law was vice president of Johnson Publishing Company, and um, so he had a lot of power and um, was able to get us out of that contract. But it was either that was going to, we were going to go forward with the contract and wind up being totally penalized or just don't do it at all. And um, so that... And then now we have a child. And so then, um, and I'm not doing music now. So I wind up um, by being a um, computer programmer. I went to school to be a computer programmer. Of course, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And um, it was the mainframes. And, um, and so I was like, and I went through a whole world of different, you know, um, different um, languages that we were working from. I actually came in on the end where the mainframes were moving into um, middies and they were using, you know, COBOL and all these other things. And, and then they were just making this sh huge shift to this thing called personal computers. Yeah. And they were going to be for these executives. It'll never last. And it would never last. Yeah. Right. And I believed in it. And I started working for Bell Atlanta, Atlantic, um, you know, um, teaching um, computer language to executives because they were the only ones that are going to be able to have that. Right. Nobody else would have it. And um, and my and my people that I worked with, um, um, they really wanted me out of the programming world because I was a chatty Kathy. I would come in, no. I wanted to connect with everybody and they were just wanted to focus on computers. Right. And I'm just like, and they were saying, no, yeah, you need to go and do that because you, you really need people. And, but I was a wonderful programmer, but they were just like, please get out of here. So uh, <laughs> I realized now that after I said what I did when I, you know, are you done? No, not really. Okay. Fine. Okay. So anyway, so <laughs> So then, um, so then I worked. So then I was. Uh, <laughs> so I, as working through that, um, I I got introduced to corporate, and then I started working as um, a technical writer for a large corporation, education, a national education training corporation, and then from there, and I just shut down my music. For so you my, weren't doing any. Yeah. I just could not, I couldn't do the music anymore because I, the only thing that was important to me was taking care of my kids. Sure. And I, and then my husband and I, 
We got back together within that 20 years, had another baby 10 years apart. And so then it was like all gun ho, take care of the babies, period. You know. Thanks for the segue. So that's why I, <laughs> I went to Minnesota. I was in the church because I thought the, the music business was uh, connected with the crazy lifestyle. Yeah. Which it can be, mm-hmm. but it's not always. And, uh, in fact, it's really changed quite a bit in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but while I was in religion, there were two guys that were cutting hair and their families. And they found out that I had a, a background in hair. And I went to school again up in Minneapolis. And I ended up working in hair up in Minneapolis while I was doing uh, ministry work during the day. Or actually during the evening. And uh, uh, oh, is that me? that's your baby. And so uh, uh, I ended up doing that. And then I came back down here and raised my children mm-hmm. uh, while having my own salon. And then I went back up to Minnesota. Go ahead, babe. Yeah. Well, then, I just wanted to finish my. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, babe. Yeah. So, can I ask really quickly, um, Daniel, were you still playing music during that hair? No. During that period, or had you also kind of stopped? In the church. In the church, I was doing that. And uh, I was writing uh, uh, gospel kind of music at that time, too. Uh, And uh, the person that I was, uh, uh, that was the head of the the, uh, fellowship was a woman. (laughs) And she had a background of opera. uh, And uh, so, you know, so... But she loved music, and we co-wrote a lot of gospel music back then, and we utilized it in the church, and we played around the Minneapolis-St. Uh, Paul area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Pippi, how did you get back to music then? Well, um, it was a series of awakenings. Um, I um, had really gone totally into nothing for music. I didn't even play music in my house because it was associated with love, my relationship um, with my husband. It was always music, you know, because he played the piano mm-hmm. and, and the keyboards. And um, and I was on um, a recovery of understanding who I was. Music hadn't, um, I lost my husband to drugs Mm -hmm. and uh, there was nothing about music that I wanted to deal with. Probably brought up all kinds of emotions that you didn't want to deal with. Yeah, I didn't want to deal with any of it because um, the nightclubs, every, all of that meant a lifestyle that would not sustain me with my children Mm -hmm. and would not give them the security they needed. And um, and it was also my upbringing that I was in the devil's world. That's what you I was know wondering earlier saying, when you, know? you were talking about Pentecostal church. Yeah. When did they start talking to you again? Because I remember being in the Pentecostal religion and they thought that an F major seventh chord was of the devil. Yeah. You know? uh, and uh, so you came, you were, you were steeped in it, not only in... in the religion of it or the fellowship, the people, but your family was. Yeah. Mine wasn't, so I wasn't ostracized. Yeah, I was kind of ostracized yeah. for being one of them holy rollers. But um, uh, I remember 
there were certain things that you didn't do in that legalistic. Right. And that, and that the thing was, is that my grandmother, when I was in the way I got my name, Pippi, um, was my grandmother over the, um, my crib, I was squeaking. And my grandmother said to my mother, this is a story that is carried through my life. If you don't get this, if you don't get this little pip squeak to sing for the church, she's going to sing for the world. <laughs> so you better get this little pip squeak into the church. And my mother was a, uh, she was kind of, um, of of a rebel. My mom and dad both went to the University of Chicago. Your mother and, was brought up Jewish, right? Uh, no, she wasn't brought up Jewish. She was brought up Christian, but she was, um, um, she was a Bernstein. So that was, um, my grandfather was uh, part Jewish, black, or Brazilian, I'm not sure about that. And then, um, and then my mom, my um, my grandmother was Cherokee Indian and African American. And so um, we need to know all this in case we have children, so that we know. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got our children. And anyway, so the 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 whole vibration, the whole vibration of this was um, that I that I was doomed. Because mm. I choose, I chose the world. the world versus the church, and um, and so to go in that direction was really basically, uh, you know, uh, everything that I had been experiencing was the truth <laughs> of what I had heard all my life. Was that, you know, these people were going to hell in a handbasket. The lifestyle is horrible. You can't make nothing of yourself with it. It's a hard road to swallow, yada, 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 yada. And, um, and forget, all the, forget all the love to sing. And I was always torn between, I mean, you know, but I, I, I'm singing good stuff. I mean, I'm making people feel good. I'm, I feel that I, I feel that this is a ministry of mine, you know, of what I was doing. So it was really easy for me to cut it off and to cut it completely off and not even play music in my house. And I came from a household that when my grandmother came down into the house, you cut the, the worldly music off. You don't play the worldly music. So it was easy for me to cut that off. And then um, going into corporate and finding out it was, a, you know, like life is always great for you because it always opens up uh, another understanding of your power that and what kind of power you're giving away, you know? So um, here I was thinking that it wasn't any good when I had all this corporate background and I decided this music was bursting in me and I had to get back to this music. But this time I'm gonna do it smart. Number one, I'm not gonna be singing in nightclubs all night. I'm not gonna be doing it six days a week. I'm going in with a contract. I wrote myself a contract up. I went around to some nightclubs in Chicago and I told them, this is what I want. Three days a week, I wanna make I, I needed to make the same amount of money I was making corporate and I was have to pay my musician. So I made the contract up. I'm 
said what I how much I wanted to make. I was only going to work three days a week. I had to be done um, by um, one o'clock because I had to get up in the morning to take care of my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. I went and there was a new nightclub that opened up. And well, first it was another nightclub, and then uh, and I got the job. I got they gave me the con, they signed the contract, and then the next thing I know, I was doing another contract in another place, and I I did that. So three days a week, I was making as much as I was making um, as a corporate uh, manager, and. Um, and doing very well for myself. And it was really good and found out that people weren't signing contracts. They, music, singers weren't setting themselves up like that. They were just gigging. Right. And um, so anyway, it worked out well for me and I got back into the music and I was a jukebox. I did songs that people wanted and it was in the piano bar and I um, did these songs, and of course I did them my way, and um, and it worked out well. So that's how I got back into it, and I was able to take care of my kids. And when you stopped singing, did you also stop writing? Like, did you have a period where you didn't write any music? Well, when I stopped singing, I did like what Daniel did. Um, when I stopped singing. Um, then I went through this period where it was like all religion, but I couldn't go back to Pentecostal. So I went to like this, like really avant-garde, um, church that was, um, being held at the Park West, Mm -hmm. which is a big venue in, um, in Chicago on the North side. And, um, all great, um, performers would come in. It was nice and huge. And we would go in there on Sunday and we'd pray over all, we'd walk around early in the morning, I was part of that, walk around early in the morning and pray over every single chair and every, and just get the room ready for our service. And um, Dave Clark, um, who was a friend of um, mine, he came to me and he asked me to sing in his church. And he had he was holding church services there, and because it wasn't traditional, I decided I wanted to go, you know, and be a part of it. Um, and then one morning, I had gotten all these words, this, um, these lyrics, and I called Dave up and I told Dave, I said, you know what, I got a leading from God that you're supposed to write this music. And he said, I don't write music, Pippi. And I said, uh, well, then you need to talk to God because I got these lyrics. So here, work it out. <laughs> so he wrote the music and then we became a writing pair. And we wrote lots of um, praise and worship music. And so then I, that's how I kind of got back and then went into the uh to the nightclub scene. So what's fascinating is when did the two of you meet? (laughs) Can I talk? Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, I don't know why he always tries to make it like he is uh, like under siege. It's the truth, that's why. I am so not. (laughs) We we don't believe him for a minute. I don't even believe it. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, uh, 
Mary's on this call for the reason that if it weren't for Mary Harris, Mary Harris. who's a phenomenal singer, if oh, uh, all of you who songwriter. don't songwriter, uh, performer in the Twin City area, Mary is from the same area that I'm from, uh, the Midwest, and uh, her brother is a piano player, uh, Coleman, and uh, Coleman had a young uh, black man playing uh, congas. I think, I don't know if Jim, James was playing congas back then or if he was playing a trap set. But uh, so I did an album. James is now over in uh, Germany. Germany and he's a phenomenal musician. And he came back to the area and we did a uh, Afro-Cuban mm. uh, live uh, album CD, and amazing. Uh, it was uh, it was a blast, and it is a, a great an album. Amazing album. Yeah. It really uh, made me have to dig in. In regards to Afro-Cuban piano, is not one of the easiest things to play, and um, but I'm glad I did it because now it's in my wheelhouse. So um, he told me he knew that I was going up to Minneapolis to. Uh, to work in treatment centers, uh, uh, spiritual treatment centers. And um, so he says, well, if you're going to Minneapolis, you need to get a hold of Mary. That's George, uh, Coleman's sister, and she's up there. And so that she can introduce you to the musicians in the Twin City area. And so when I got up there, after I got settled in my new uh, digs and my uh, uh, career uh, at the time, uh, I called Mary, and I had a couple conversations with Mary on the phone is all. And I think the second one, Mary says, you know, I don't think I'm the person that you need to talk to. <laughs> and uh, the one she I feel, <laughs> the one I, <laughs> thank God. And the one I feel that you need to talk to is Pippi Ardina. Do you know who she is? I said, no. Well, she's performing tonight at the uh, Landmark downtown St. Paul. And uh, she has a foundation uh, that she works with kids. I said, well, yeah, I've, I've been doing that for the last 14 years myself. So I went down there and I uh, met uh, her posse of people that uh, greeted the person at the door and went and sat down and watched the concert. She blew me away with all the young musicians and the older musicians that were mentoring the other musicians, the younger ones that she had in her foundation. And afterwards, I remember going out into the foyer, and here comes Pippi with her uh, designer the, for her clothes. Walking, and Pippi's got this look like she's in a coma with a smile on her face to greet her public, right? But she just had given everything in the concert, and I'm trying to strike up a conversation with her because I want to make some connections so that I can have some musicians and... and uh, expression of music for myself and she was not really uh <laughs> connecting with me and i looked at her uh, designer i thought well maybe i can talk to her designer and so i'm talking to her designer uh you make all of pippi's clothes oh yeah 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 judy said, cooper lyle judy yeah. cooper lyle and i says oh they're beautiful i says do you make men's clothing because i've always wanted to have you know usually you have to wear a jacket or something mm -hmm. like that I wanted something that I could wear that uh, wasn't uh, really out there, but uh, that would separate me from the audience 
while I'm performing, especially if you're doing outdoor concerts or whatever. And she said, well, like what? And I, well, something that's, you know, like uh, not a tuck-in type thing, but just something that maybe uh, uh, thigh length and uh, that would uh, be able to, I could move while playing piano. And I said, like, a, you remember the dashikis in the 70s? And I. That's all she heard. That's all I heard. This white guy asking Judy to make him dashiki. Right? Like, why? Right? Oh, I don't know where he is, but I don't want to know where. But anyway, so that was the end of that. I just kind of shut down on him because I was like, I So afterwards, understand. we went over across the street to this nice restaurant, and everybody had ordered uh, hors d'oeuvres and passing it around, and, and we were talking. And so I got to meet uh, Billy Peterson, who was a bass player. That was the first time I met him, and then we played together quite often. And and uh, Mary and Judy and... and uh, D and uh, uh, yeah, everybody was a lot there. of people there, right? But now I wasn't there. Let Mary Harris, you weren't there. That no, no that's no. right, you weren't there that yeah, night. You no. just don't go there. Yeah, but I said, You should go, you should go here. I was, I think I was ready to take a nap. I said, You should go here. My girl, Pippi's there. <laughs> oh, uh, that Mary, there we go. That Mary, she does that kind of stuff. We're coming Mary, into my nap time. Ma Mary will refer. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so quickly. She's so given and so amazingly um, just connected. And if it weren't for Mary, I wouldn't have met Pippi. So. Yeah, that was how we met. And we didn't really have any more uh, communication while I was up in Minneapolis Okay, uh, at that time. And then I moved back down to Galesburg and Pippi was doing morning vlogs mm -hmm. uh, out of her uh, Facebook yeah. home. And they would be maybe five to ten minutes, uh, and she would have a a, a concept that she was pre presenting. And at the end of the the pre presentation, she would always sing something a cappella that would pertain to what she was talking about, usually. And um, so I'm sitting in Galesburg, and I had Facebook friend her. That was right. the only connectivity that I had made, other than that that right. of, uh, having hors d'oeuvres across the table. With her. And um, so she uh, and she's saying things, and I had already written enough data for three books up there uh, uh, while I was in uh, working in the treatment centers as a spiritual advisor, is what my title was. But basically, I was just giving options to people that felt that they had already used all the options that mm. there were, and that's not true, is it? So, uh, so. Uh, it's inexhaustible, the options that are available to us. So I was communicating with Pippi about what she said, and I would write all these things, and I would even elaborate more so. Yeah, uh, it was great. Go ahead. He was amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I was writing these, you know, like, I would get these inspirations in the morning. Mm -hmm. and, and I would hear stuff, and I would say, so I would ask myself the question. And then I would present it to everyone else. So I mean, is it possible to recreate, to reinvent yourself? Mm -hmm. And I would hear that in the morning, then I would ponder the thought and everything. And, and then I would do the song and hear, you know, I'm, I, I'm saying these things that are in the depths of my soul, my spirit and my heart. And people were saying things like, your lipstick is great. 
Where did you get that scarf? I love that your hair, Pippi. Oh my God. You know, and I would be like, oh, thank you. But did you hear what I said? I mean, I was like, or oh, I love that voice. I love your voice, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. But then on the backside, they, people would, you know, privately message me and they would be like, oh my gosh, that really hit home. And, and it still wasn't what I was talking about, but they got something out of it. But Daniel would actually write these long yeah. stories, but he would, he knew exactly what I was saying mm -hmm. and he got it. And so then we started having these amazing conversations. And one thing led to another. We uh, started to communicating on Skype. And, uh, and uh, I told her one time that I said, you know, those when you're singing, because the Facebook live things that you do, they stay on the page for a while. So I could go back to them and I could sit down on my grand piano and play along with her. Right. Wow. And yeah, so yeah. I told her one day, I says, Pippi, I says, I don't think you uh, understand this, but uh, while you're singing, I'm playing with you. And she no, again you didn't went say to, singing. While you're you singing said, your songs no, you said on you. Facebook, I said, I'm playing with you. No, you didn't, baby. What you said, okay. what you said to me. We'll be right back after this. No, no, no. <laughs> what you said to me, which made me freak out about well, I think you. either way you'd freak out no 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 what you said was that you said um well um you know there's times where I um I'm on your Facebook page and I play with you okay and I'm uh, thinking to myself he's a weirdo yeah <laughs> and you were right no. yeah and I was like what I was playing because, piano because at that time at the time, I didn't know he was a piano player. We no, had we were talking for like three months, months. And, and I had no idea he was a piano player. So when he said that to me, I thought it was weird. I was like, because everybody, I was telling people, I think I have a love interest. And they were saying, remember, remember when I started talking about this? And um, yep. they would say, well, where did you meet him? Because I didn't even remember I met him back then and so then um and so then i said on facebook and they were like oh my god pippy what's going on with you this guy on facebook you know so um and because at the time um i don't even think you mary knew that i had met mary one time at the dakota she was performing and uh right before she was going up she was heading towards the either the privy or the, the stage, you know, she was in a hurry. And uh, I had never met her, but I knew who she was and uh, only talked to her on the phone. And I met her as she was hustling. And I said, hey, Mary, it's Daniel Lee. Oh, yeah, goodbye. And, <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, who are you? Uh, 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 yeah, so anyway... The thing was is that we finally got together, and this is a real this is a, the, another sweet part of this story, mm -hmm. is that um, I was doing um, I was hiring for this um, for the a seasonal uh, a jazz, jazz festival. A festival a festival and um, a season a, a jazz series, 
and it coincide with the jazz festival. And so I was booking all these people and, you know, um, hooking it up. And so I booked his band to come up and we were playing because it was going to be for the jazz festival. And he was also going to be playing another um, night because it was a weekly thing. And um, he came. So this is the first time we're seeing each other. And it just so happens well, actually, that Mary is in my house. You were rehearsing for that for, festival. We were rehearsing and for I that. Was up, I have two daughters that are living in the Twin City area, and I was with them. And uh, I, Pippi says, I'm doing a vocal rehearsal. Yeah. So that's where I actually got to sit down with Mary a little bit uh, to meet her and let her know that she stiffed me at the Dakota. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I went over to Pippi's house mm-hmm. to assist to play piano while they're learning their vocal right. harmonies. Yeah, and so, uh, and it was really great because Mary was doing that for for them, but it was great because she was also helping them with the vocal harmony. So, right. uh, so it was great that. Did, yeah, Mary plays piano. Yeah, too. was was doing what he needed, what he was doing, and but the thing was, I was so nervous because I had known, I already knew I'd fallen in love with him, and I was trying to prepare myself that if I didn't, if it wasn't real, because mm-hmm. you know I didn't know because we hadn't had face to face, really consciously. And um, then I still wanted to be his friend. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be his friend because I really liked him. I liked the way he thought and everything. And so then he comes in my house and I, I'm here and I, my heart and everything just starts going. And I walk around the corner, go in the hallway, there he's standing. And then, oh, I knew it. I knew he was it. I knew this was the one for me. And that was the vibration, the whole evening, the way it went, the way he was, his way of being was just so divine. And um, everybody got a chance to meet him and that that particular night um, um, and everybody was connecting with it. And so that was when um, I knew that we were, we were in a relationship. I don't think he knew yet. Or if he did, he was really playing like he was not. No, both of us had been in relationships before, and, you know, that ship had passed, you know, is what we thought. And we were good with it. Both of us were good with that. And uh, um, when Pippi found out that I cook, and I kind of sealed it. did not. (laughs) Because I'm cooking, she's still washing dishes. Daniel, uh, when when did you know? Like, when did you feel like, oh, yeah, okay, this is more than a friendship? Question I never asked. That is that. a good question, and I don't know exactly when that happened. Um, I bet I could tell y'all. Go ahead, baby. At the House of Pain, y'all had a different, we, we played at a, her, uh, her friend Kelly mm-hmm. created a place, a performance space, and we performed there one night, and I think that's one of the first times y'all looked at each other's eyes the way y'all, that's the first time I saw y'all look at each other's eyes the way you did. And it's kind of, your body's kind of, you can, you, I could tell y'all it was, it was happening. I think, and you know, like, we, we got a little close right before. Yeah. Close. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was one of the times I first saw House of Pain. And then we, when we performed at the 
TPT. That was awesome. But, um, it's just was, oh, it, kept, it was just flourishing. It was developing and flourishing. Yeah, yeah, it was developing and flourishing. And we did a thing, uh, just a duel, uh, just the two of us in the uh, at TPT also, and that was amazing as well. It was they have that uh, Petrov piano, grand piano. Yeah, that was really cool. Concert grand piano, and it, you could hear a pin drop, and. Were you at that concert, Mary? Mm -hmm. I don't think she was at that concert. The sound was just tweaked right perfect. I mean, it was just a great concert. And I I believe the energy there, too. But um, I want to get back to when did you know that you were in love with me? We'll be right back after. Um, I don't really (laughs) recall a certain time Mm -hmm. because, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot of travel. Uh, I was going to ask you when when did that friendship thing? No, I'm kidding. Um, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell you one thing. If you don't get an understanding of when was that, I knew. I remember. I see what you guys doing? I'm sorry. That's it, Lori. Who knew, Lori? Who knew we did? Thanks a lot. It was fun while it lasted. I'm out of here. Uh, uh, well, there was so much travel. And uh, uh, that was going on with me. I mean, it's 420 miles from where I am now to mm-hmm. Minneapolis. So that's 840 miles. And I was going up there for Pippi. I was going up there for my kids and uh, for work. And um, it was during one of those times, I believe there was a time where I left. And this could be the very thing. When Pippi, uh, I already had um uh you know respect and uh uh admiration for pippi but you know as far as you know the uh, heart space love i want you to be my partner for life type thing i remember making a i left uh minneapolis to go back home because you know on a scheduled trip and i had been with pippi and she was going through some uh shift changes in her life with her occupation with the people around her uh just things were you know how they do in all of our lives and you know those of us who are are flexible and uh understand that when we feel that the doors are closing it doesn't mean it's the life is against us it means that life is ushering us into another open door and uh so Pippi was going through that experience, and I said, "Why don't you come?" I was about oh, from, oh left the Twin City area. Uh, you said it before I went to, down to work. Yeah, but yeah. I was already on the road. I was probably close to Faribault, you know, leaving the Twin Cities, and on thirty-five W. And uh, I said, "Why don't you uh, just come and live with me?" And uh, I don't know. You you said what? I said, why don't you just come and live with me? Are you serious? I said, yeah. What do you got to lose? Yeah, that was a really that was very romantic, and um and I said you know what? And I said this is what I and this is what this is what I said. He actually said this before he left, Mm -hmm. and it stopped me in my tracks because I was getting ready to go to work. You know, and I worked in the building that I lived in. Yep. 
and um and then um and then I called him when he was on the road and I said Oh, that's are right. you sure? Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. And I said, and, what do you got to lose? And then he said, what do you have to lose? And then I thought to myself, I don't know. That's kind of weird. And so. Um, and her brother was telling us, you're, you're going to go live with this guy in Illinois? Yeah. My brother said, you know. Are you sure? Or do you know? Do you do you know? You know, he's a white man. You know how this is. You know how they can be. I was like, like, what do you mean how they can be? You know, so he said, Yeah. Next thing you know, so I don't know. This is this is not working out for me. Is I'm, I, I don't think this is going to work. And I said, Yeah, that was nice. You had to leave now. And then I said, Yeah. And I said to myself, I said, I'm a grown woman. I mean, I said, I said, there's one thing for sure. In my 63 years of living on this earth, I don't know how anything is going to work out. So that's for sure. So however this works, you know, it'll work that way because I know where home is. And uh, so I was good with that. So uh, and the thing I was more concerned about is all the stuff I had. You know, I had so much stuff I was bringing into his place. I I kept on saying to him, are you sure that you want to bring all my stuff? And he was like, yeah. So anyway, we did that. And um We've been together ever since, and it's really we can't really get rid of down. her stuff. That's we don't know where. To... <laughs> oh, yeah, right, that thing. So, um, but I already told them when I came here that if this doesn't work out, I'm leaving this stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm not carrying it with me anymore. So, I I made I made that perfectly clear. So he was going to have a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> so. When did you really start performing together? Like, was that as soon as you moved in? That was sort of now we're going to do this together, or how did that come about? We started writing uh, during because uh, I have a uh, keyboard, electric keyboard that I was using because it was an outside concert, and this keyboard has the ability to sequence, is what you call it. So you can put a drum part in, bass parts, horns, and everything. And uh, it's a, a, a nice one, so the quality's there. And I was uh, where uh, Pippi stayed. The the place had a, a a room that anybody needed a room for any of the festivals. <laughs> stay there, and I was in there, and I brought the keyboard in, and I was showing her some stuff that I had written musically. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Oh my God, yeah, what is that?" I said, "Ah, oh, it's just something." Yeah, he was just like poo-pooing his stuff and it's like great music. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm hearing these words. I'm hearing this concept. And so then I started playing, you know, playing with it. And then we started writing together and and it was amazing. And he, I can't, I couldn't believe, I mean, he'd written things before, but it wasn't like, he was like writing. He would write things and they would just disappear because he didn't think they were anything. And I was just like, what I do. kidding? It's like riding a bike. This know? is right. a masterpiece, man. You know, so so that's how we started writing together. Then that happened immediately upon us um, being face-to-face in Minnesota. And now I think we have at least about 150. Yeah. I know. And does one of you write... The music, like Daniel, do you write the music and Pippi, you do more of the lyrics, or it really is just you both jump in and 
this uh, we're going to be doing a, uh, a uh, our home concert this Thursday. Yeah. And instead of doing the traditional, hi, we're here to entertain you, and we're playing all of our music, I thought that it would be really good, uh, really informative to have a segment in there to show how that process happens. So we're going I to love that. Yeah. We're going to do that. So normally, I will go over to the piano. Normally, there's times where Pippi has an idea, and there's you know there's something that we did that was just different the other day. I says, Pippi, give me a uh, give me a rhythm that you feel, right? And she did it, and then I wrote, uh, put chords and and music to that rhythm. Wow! Because because oftentimes, Mary, as you know, we write from the where we're comfortable at from our our, uh, our bubble and uh, if i'm really into a swing mood i'm everything's gonna spang spang galang spang galang you know so or uh or latin or whatever so i i asked pippi i said what what are you feeling so she felt this funk thing and i i i wrote it because i played all of it just you know throughout the years in all the different groups so that's a possibility of how things happen. There's some things that Pippi had written musically uh, with, I think, Dave or Mark Clark. Dave Clark? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've written stuff on, on my own. I've written stuff with Dave. Um, but, she hadn't fin- but she hadn't finished. I'm talking about our collaboration. So that she hadn't finished. Or she gets to a certain point, but I don't, I, I'm hearing something, but I don't know how to put it down. Mm-hmm. One of our songs... Um, um, uh, I'm grateful. No, so, it's not ungrateful. Okay, that's um. Yeah. What you're singing then is um, love for free. Yeah, love for free, which is a counterfact to, which is a take a song that's already famous mm-hmm. structure and you write a different melody to it. That's what Charlie Parker did all the time. Uh, so uh, there was a song called Love for Sale. Mm-hmm. I said, Pippi, this is a great song. This is a great arrangement. Why don't you want to do it? Because I don't want to uh, sing uh, and put, it's already being an uh, attractive woman in front of a bunch of people. I had experienced it too many times. That's why I stopped singing that song. Okay. Because yeah. I would be in nightclubs, not with him, but when I was in nightclubs. So before. Love for Sale, it's and about, for a, sale, then it's about a, a night deal with I these guys, you know, like, yeah, you know, are you? And then be like, no, I'm not singing that song ever again. Yep. So don't even try. Don't even approach me. Don't, don't even ask me to do it. I don't want to talk about so it. So we wrote a, uh, uh, I wrote a different melody to it. And then mm-hmm. we both get downloads and songs. We play off of each other. Mm-hmm. she'll say something and it's like yeah but that doesn't work with the rhythm of what we just wrote and then we'd argue no then yeah because uh, he's a stickler for that yeah. i'm about free flow and he's about everything's got to fit and it works out really well so i um have a, an unusual request because we've been talking now for an hour and 10 minutes that's uh, a long time you want us to stop and, no what i'd like is to ask if you'd come back for a second oh for a second podcast because I believe that this is this is already so long that I'm probably going to break it. I may break it up into two sections. I need to go through it and, and listen to it um, because people's attention is not always as 
you know, it's not necessarily an hour and a half long. I mean, our, but about I have so many more questions for the two of you. And I really want Mary, I, what I kept wanting to say was, Mary, think about what you want to ask Pippi and Daniel that you don't right. know. And so what I'd like to do, if you're all three willing, is to have you back again and and go from here, because I'd like to hear more about your collaboration. I'd like to hear more about what you would say to younger musicians. I'd like to hear more about what your dreams are, what your passions are, what you're doing now. And then I'd like you both to tell me, you know, of the people you've played with besides each other and Mary, who else has been just like, oh my gosh, um, I got to play with this person. I just want to know more about you. And I think that people will, will want to hear that. And I don't want to feel like we're rushed to cram it in so that we can. So if you're willing, I would love to do this again next week. That sounds great to me. What do you think, Harry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds so amazing. I think that, that that's what we're going to do. This is this is the first segment of our interview with Pippi and Daniel. Amazing. Right. Um, oh, my part God. Two, part two will be coming up where we'll learn more about your careers. And hopefully we'll also get you to sing something for us at the end of part two. Um, Mary, I want you to be thinking about from everything you've now learned, because I'm sure you've learned some new things about Pippi and Daniel, but from everything you've heard, be thinking about what do you want to know more about? And, oh, I've and already so, got questions. Yeah, I'll be thinking I about I thought you did. Questions. And so let's, um, does this same time next week work for everyone? Yeah. I Jeez. think so. I have to look. Okay. Well, I will send you all an email, but in the meantime, anyone who's listening, thank you so much for being here. This is our podcast, Inclusiva Talks. I am so honored to be able to talk to musicians and creative people and hear about their process and their lives. And I just want to say, Pippi and Daniel, what a pleasure. And how fascinating that your lives really have paralleled up to the point that you met. That, that it's, it's kind of amazing, actually, that your lives were so just sort of a mirror of each other. And then you met. Right. And how I think that's wonderful and what beautiful music for all of us and how fortunate we are to have you working together and collaborating. So I can't, I can't wait to hear more. I can't wait to hear some music and I will look forward to talking to both of you again and everybody who's listening tune in again for the next version and, and, or the next episode, because frankly, they just have too much to tell us in one hour. <laughs> it's impossible that we could have done this in an hour. Um, you're both so charming. So thank you. So if she's a man.